Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, they started the year with a loss. <laughs> we both picked them to win, How? and they started the year with a loss. I, How did we know that was going to happen? It was because happen. we thought they were going to win. If yeah. we pick them to lose, they'll win, and if we pick them to win, they'll lose. That's, that's just how it rolls. That's just how it works, but uh, I'm not as dismayed as some Jaguars fans have uh, you know, made this loss out to be. Um, again, Jaguars in 2020 won their season opener and lost 15 in a row. Um, so I'm not a big believer in basing your whole season out of what happens in game one. To me, the Jaguars look like a more competent football team. They came back in the second half. Remember at week one last year, we're talking about the Texans and how they were going to run, the Jaguars going to kill the Texans. And what comes out? 37 21. Houston absolutely slapped Jacksonville up and down the field. Jacksonville did not look like an NFL team last year in week one. They did this year. I like the changes that have been made. I think it really comes down to execution of a small number of plays. Doug Peterson uh, said that after the game um, on Sunday that NFL games are decided by three, four, five plays. And you can look at that game yesterday and pick those plays out where that game swung. Um, I do think there's progress on this team. And again, not an overnight fix. We did pick them. We all, all three of us in our department picked them to win this game. Uh, did not happen, but again, I like where they're at week one. I tend to be a glass half full kind of person. And when I look at this roster, I, am I, does the loss suck? Yes. But overall, I, the way I looked at it and I started thinking about it, and you know, no, there's no moral victories in the NFL, so it's either a win or a loss. But when was the last time that you looked at a Jaguars game and said, you know what, they were the better team on the field. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's gotta be maybe 19, where they had a couple of games where you were like, oh, they were the better football team. Maybe 2019. But on Sunday, they were the better football team on the field. They just killed themselves. The DeJuan Smoot roughing the passer penalty that kept a drive alive for the commanders. The missed touchdown passes. I mean, on one hand, I, there's at least two give me, give me touchdowns that Trevor just didn't do the yeah, throws I mean, the, properly. The, the, the smooth one. penalty is a four-point swing because yes. you, you, you have a field goal instead of a touchdown there. Mm -hmm. um, that's a four-point swing. The Trevor Lawrence, two touchdowns, uh, you know, the drop pass to Travis Etienne, and then what turned out to be the overthrow to Travis in the end zone. I mean, I mean that's... And there's another one where the ball's behind him. If he leads Travis or gives him a little bit better of a shot, that's a touchdown in my opinion. The throw to I mean, Christian Kirk. The throw to Christian Kirk's one. I mean, we can talk about the, the Zay Jones throw as well, but I mean, you can say that's on Zay to flatten out his route. You can say that's on Trevor to put it a little bit farther over. One way or another, there was points left on the field. Yes. And walking away from that game in the first half, I really felt like the first drive looked good. Jaguars looked great, and then they 
The defense kind of struggled to get their way, but I, I kind of said, you know, this is Mike Caldwell's first time calling a game. And he, they looked better in the second half. They, he they made second, those adjustments. They, he, they sunk their feet in, and all of a sudden the team makes the adjustments, comes out in the second half, and it's clicking. There was, with what, when they took the lead in the fourth quarter, I said, oh, this game's over. After that Trayvon Walker pick yeah. and the James Robinson touchdown, I said, Jaguars are walking out of D.C. with this win. You're on a 19-0 run at that point. Your defense is clicking. And again, you look at a at the sample size in that fourth quarter, which really swung the game. You're looking at about what about a 10 minute chunk of time where the game completely flipped. You take the lead at 11:52, 15:14. You get another touchdown, Trayvon Walker. I mean, it. And then after that, the wheels fell off. So you look at that little compartment of time, about a eight to 10 minute span, which totally flipped the game. If you can, if you can at least make one stop in that span. I mean, kind of the embodiment of that game the last two drives of that game Trevor throws a desperation interception which I thought was a terrible a terrible decision to throw that ball on third and 11. I look like just a desperation heave and then Foley Fatakasi jumps off sides on third and three at the end of the game when you could get one more stop get the ball back and he jumps off sides on third and three kind of an embodiment of how those just those small stupid mistakes cost them a game. And it, again, Doug Peterson hit the nail on the head. Three, four, five plays a game that th the game comes down to. And that's right. what it came down to yesterday. A big boy football team wins that game. Yeah, I, I think mean, a team that knows how to win. Flat out. I wins mean, that big, football game. You, you were up. You had the game in your hand. All right. The Terry McLaurin play, we can blame it on Shaq. We can blame it on Andre Sisco. Whatever it happened. You got the ball back. You've got to saddle up James Robinson and Travis Etienne and pick up first downs and chew up clock. Even if you don't score, Carson Wentz and them boys shouldn't have got the ball back with that much time. Exactly. And, and, and been in the driver's seat that way. You, a big boy team, is going to go and win that game. And you feel like, with, and we've seen these situations before, last year Jets game. Um, really the only time last year where I thought Trevor Lawrence really ran this offense crisp and to the point was that Dolphins game and he had a very finite amount of time left he knew exactly what he had to do to get in position to win that game and that was a quick throw I believe Visca caught the ball there was so little time left it, it was executed perfectly and that's really kind of Trevor's shining moment to me in his career where he led a game winning drive right and he was able to kind of take control and say I know what I've got to do I've got command of this offense and delivered and I'm still waiting for that that big boy drive by Trevor Lawrence and this team at the end of a game where you know you got an 85, 80-yard field in front of you, you've got to do something with that. And it's almost like they clam up in that situation, and right. you can't – I don't have any faith that – like yesterday, I mean, Trevor and the offense gets the ball back. I did not have faith that he was going to march the team down the field and be able to score a go-ahead touchdown. I just didn't. All right, let's jump into the Trevor conversation now then. Uh Look, it, this is his second season, and we can write off year one. Uh, we'll blame a lot of that on Urban, but you also blame some of it on a rookie finding as well. Mm -hmm. He's now going into his second season. We talked about this a little bit before the season and said, is there pressure on Trevor to succeed this year in a big way? And I think the resounding answer or, or feeling going into the year was no, that there's not much pressure on Trevor. He needs to make a jump but he shouldn't feel like if he doesn't, he's in danger of being replaced. I think after one week, a lot of people are willing to close the book on him. I'm not closing the book on the kid, but 
I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm again. I'm. You're the half glass, glass half full guy. I'm. I'm more of the pessimist in this situation, and I. I still don't think it's the right time to say, okay, the clock is ticking on Trevor. I think he's got a little bit of time. Yeah. I think he's got a, a little bit of a grace period. All right, let me go on ahead and give you a scenario. Trevor plays like he played week one for the entire regular season to this year. The Jaguars, if he plays that way, how many games can we say the Jaguars win? Four to five? Yeah, I, five? I think Tre if Trevor plays like he did yesterday, which is good enough to probably win a game, um, you know, t one touchdown. But is it good enough for this team to win games? Pro probably not. Okay. I think I think so they're probably a, a five-win like team if he does that. All right, that. so if a five-win team, that gets you a top-ten pick, right? Mm -hmm. All right, if this team walks out of that season with Trevor playing like that, now we've seen two years of football from the kid, and you've got quarterbacks in the draft, C.J. Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson, guys that teams like and mm -hmm. believe in. How can you not say at least consider drafting another quarterback in that situation i don't in i don't this roster in this situation with a guy that looked bad like we can we can write it off on urban and i i you know i fully believe that staff did him a disservice mm -hmm. but if he's missing open throws missing touchdown passes leaving points on the field at some point you have to ask yourself is trevor the guy and he might he might be a guy, and mm -hmm. I think he fully is a guy, but is he the guy? I and think in the NFL today, if you don't have the guy, you better go find him. Yeah, the guy. I, I see that. I see that point. I do think that, um, you know, Doug Peterson alluded to this earlier on in, this, in the, the training camp that, you know, people draw these comparisons to Trevor and Carson Wentz. Year two, that Carson made a huge leap under Doug Peterson, uh, nearly took the Eagles Super Bowl. He was injured late in the season. Nick Foles did that. We saw what happened there. Uh, but that was an MVP season type season for Carson Wentz in year two. Doug mentioned in recently and right before uh, week one that the comparisons to what Carson did and Trevor entering year two were a little bit unfair because Carson had two years in the system at right. that point. Right. Uh, Trevor's last season, I think we, we kind of discount that with Urban and the Daryl Bevel and just the unbelievable chaos of that season. Yeah, you know, the Carson Wentz comparisons, no, they're not necessarily fair to look at Carson and Trevor in like a vacuum. My thing is, at this point, when have we seen Trevor, besides a flash, a throw here or a throw there, sustain something that looks like an upper echelon quarterback. I don't think we have, and I think and that's... And that's where the problem comes into play. At some point, you have to start questioning, okay, is he more than just the arm talent? Was the evaluation wrong? Like when you hear the coaches talk about him, you hear the, the players talk about him. They talk about his leadership skills. They, they, they talk about, you know, a lot of things off the field, the way he approaches the game, how he's always even keel. That stuff's great. That's fine and dandy, but you got to do something on the game field. I, I agree. Um, I, I think it's this year will tell us something. But, again, you look at a guy like Daniel Jones. You know, I, I think the – he showed flashes. He, okay, he's he made throws I, too. I, he's in year four right now. Yes. Okay, I think I think he's done no fifth year option. I don't think he's back with the Giants. Um, so I do think Trevor, who is 18 games into his NFL career, gets a little bit more grace, and I do think that year three will be his make or break season. So I don't, I, you know, and again, I'm a I'm a pessimist to the core. I am glass half empty all the time. Um, and so I, I and I am not as sour on Trevor 
right now. I do think that he's had opportunities to lead those big drives into the game to kind of show you the flashes of leadership and winning in crunch time and stuff, and we just have not seen that. So, yes, that's a worry for me. Um, I'm not as sour on him as, as I know some fans are. Um, I do think that he shows signs of turning things around. But, yeah. you know, we talked, I think, last pod about where he needs to be to take this team to the playoffs. I, I don't think they're a playoff team this year. Um, I think um, we disagreed there that, uh, that they can really turn it around this year. But I do think he can make that leap into that top 12 to, to 15 chasm of quarterbacks. Right. Uh, and if he does not, then, um, you know, again, I think year two – in the same offense. This offense changed radically between last year and this year. So I do think that he has got to really make that jump um, by next year. I think next year is that make or break year for Trevor. That year will be two years in a Peterson offense. Um, he's got to show that he is able to, to master that game-winning drive, to take that uh, team down the field 75 yards in two minutes and put a touchdown on the board to, to win the game. We just have not seen that. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not closing the book on Trevor. I don't think Trevor is a bust. I'm not willing to say that yet. I'm just – I'd be lying if I didn't say I was concerned. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't think about it like, let's say, a Trent Baalke. If I'm the general manager – at this point, I'm Trent Baalke and I'm running this Jaguars organization. If at the end of the season I'm not sold that Trevor Lawrence is the guy, we stunk for another year, how secure can I feel about my job if I don't have a quarterback? Mm -hmm. And then how secure could I feel about my job if somebody else drafts their quarterback and I pass on him for a guy that's not it? Yeah. I, so that's why I keep saying, like, okay, is there pressure on this kid? He better show something because if the Jaguars have a top five pick, it, you, you, we're kidding ourselves if that's not going to cross his his mind of, is this the guy and can I afford to possibly pass up on the guy for this kid? Because that's his job if he's wrong. Yeah, and I, I, I just think it's too early. Even with a, another season, let's say they're 4-13, and 13, um, I still think next year is the year, the make-or-break year for Trevor. Again, if he's two years into Doug Peterson, Press Taylor offense, and he's still struggling next year and still can't make those throws, still can't lead those game-winning drives, I think year four would be a time to kind of kick the tires on a, a, you know, a top-tier quarterback. I don't think that even if it's a disaster year for Trevor, I don't think that they draft a quarterback high next year. I think they say, okay, let's give Trevor more resources, let's draft a receiver, let's add a playmaking tight end. Um, look, I mean, the Daniel Jones situation, he stunk for – Four years, you know, three and a half, three years going into the team. And what do they do? They invest. They try to give him the resources to make a better case for himself as being a long-term starter. You know, again, year four, make or break year for him. Um, so I do think Trevor should get and will get a third and fourth year in Jacksonville to prove he can be the guy. Not every team provides that sort of patience, um, you know. So we'll see. I do think that the, the, the arrow is pointing upward. I'm just, you know, playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because, you know, in, in college, Trevor threw to some really good receivers. And it, he threw to some 6'4 guys that one's in the league now making plays and one was an injury away from being a first-round pick. So he threw to some really good receivers, had a lot of talent around him. At some point, you got to start asking, well, maybe it was the talented guys around him and less him. Who knows? We'll see if Trevor is still the guy that, I think he can be, and that many of us that have watched him make the throws and make the plays in practice, 
believe he can be, then this is a moot conversation and the Jaguars are moving forward with their guy. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to start to, to wonder. Like, until you see it, you have, he has to show something. Yeah, and, I, and um, I, think, I think fans are frustrated. You know, they expected to see this generational quarterback, an Andrew Luck type, a Peyton Manning type, maybe not a Peyton Manning type, but you know, an Andrew Luck kind of quarterback come in and really be an almost an instant success. And last year, obviously, we mentioned the um, Urban Meyer thing, the disastrous regime that was. Um, Trevor Cumberland off sh- uh, shoulder surgery last year. Um, so I do think last year was just a wash. Uh, the turnovers were a problem. The, the not confident in his offensive line of receivers was a problem. So I do think you give him a year in a Doug Peterson system. Let's see how that works. Let's see if Trevor can become that guy. But I do think he's got at least two more years in this uh, in this locker room to prove that he is a guy. And I do think he'll eventually get there. He is going to be a good player. I think you just need some more talent around him. And I think you've got to have some more confidence if you're, if you're Trevor. Again, I say it, and I said it before early on, we've just not seen him make that big boy drive to win a game. We haven't seen that leadership down the stretch. And, you know, it's been a turnover. It's been a fumble with the game on the line, a, a late-game pick like yesterday. Um, so we've just seen too many of those in those big-time moments out of Trevor Lawrence. And one of these days, he's gonna, it's going to click for him. He's going to lead that drive. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see. Hopefully Jacksonville won't need him to lead too many game-winning drives. But you're going to have to ask him to, to produce that at some point. All right, let's move on to some of the positives we could take away from the game. How about this year's number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker? I think unquestionably, if you were worried about Trayvon, you probably aren't Yeah, at this point. what a game for him. Um, that pick was just unbelievable in the, the fourth quarter of that game. I mean, how often do you see a converted uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, kind of shimmy sidestep over and pick off of that? was just an unbelievably athletic move. And then the return down to the 11, set up a touchdown. Then he had a sack as well, forced a fumble. Just a great game for Trayvon Walker. That's what you wanted to see. Um, out of making him that pick. And, again, I'll go on the record, and I have before. I thought Devin Lloyd was a far better pick than Trayvon Walker, but uh, that does not look like the case now. <laughs> yeah, Trayvon looks legit. Good start for him. Good start for Luke Fortner uh, at center. By far there were offensive line mm-hmm. issues, but they didn't come from the center position. Right. So, uh, good sign there for him. Devin Lloyd, no real mm. splash plays. He was fine. Um, he had a sack on on uh, Carson Wentz to deny the two point conversion, which, which was good, his big play. Right, uh, but he was—I mean, he, I thought he was—he was more of a liability yesterday than he was a performer. He had a couple whiff tackles. Darius Williams, bad game for him. Oh my god! Um, I thought the—I the, thought Curtis Samuel had just snatched his ankles. Yeah, in the first it, half. it was not a good game for a lot of those defenders. Um, I thought Foley Fatakasi had a good game, other than the the jumping off sides at the end. So I do think there were some positives. From the team, Tyson Campbell, kind of a mixed game. He's had a great camp, but allowed the uh, eventual game-winning touchdown. So, um, again, progress, incremental progress, a lot of good, a lot of bad. uh, But I do think correctable things, and I don't think you're going to see panic. Um, Just interesting to me that Josh Allen, after the game yesterday, said it's not an urban hurt. It's not an urban kind of uh, situation. It hurts, It hurts. urban hurts. Yeah, what a a great quote from – from Josh Allen. So I do think there's more of a belief in this coaching staff in the locker room. They're yes. treated more professionally. We've heard that time and again. So I do think there's, you know, you look at Doug Peterson after the game or on Monday about 
the the response to this. And there was no, you know, Urban Meyer after games looked like he had his had his soul stolen and his kids kidnapped. He just looked broken, defeated, and uh, just had no answers for things that went went on in the game. So I do think the the competency of this coaching staff is by far uh, the greatest asset of this uh, this leadership. Right. So the book's definitely not closed. I asked Doug Peterson today about uh, how to prevent the locker room from feeling like, oh, here we go again. Um, and he said, you know, that's his job. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to project that confidence and make sure that that sort of doubt doesn't creep in. And you know what? They have a big game coming up on Sunday against the Colts. A, a very win winnable this, game. A, a very, very winnable game. Uh, you saw the Colts struggle against the, the Texans, and that's why I went back. Like, you know, I talked about this team possibly being a playoff team, and every step of the way, people are like, "This isn't a playoff roster." The AFC South isn't a playoff, or isn't a playoff conference or a division. I mean, the Texans and the Col- and the Colts went what and what walked out with a tie. And I mean, the one. Texans were just obliterating the Colts obliterating yesterday. Obliterating them, twenty and to three. The Colts battled back to get a tie. And the, t- uh, the Titans lose to the Giants. Right. There is no one intimidating in this division. If the if the Jaguars can play like they played in the second half for the rest of the season, I still say they can win the AFC South. I am There is nothing in week one that makes me change how I felt about this division going in. Not intimidated by any of these teams. If you're a Jaguars fan, go back and watch those games like I did. You will look at it and you're like, this isn't the Titans team that's been kicking our butts for years. Yeah. This isn't the Colts team that that is that's kicked the Jaguars' butts for years. These are different teams now that have, have gone through some struggles, made some tweaks, and for better and for worse. The Titans team is one that's knocking on the door of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. So the Jaguars should be able to beat them. The Colts are a team that think they're good, but they just really haven't put it together consistently. I mean, you could almost compare them to where the Jaguars are at. They mm-hmm. have the talent, but then they don't show up all the time. Yeah. So there's nothing about this division that says the Jaguars are buried. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm just I'm not as optimistic in that regard. I do think it, it it's takes— It's not optimistic. It's, I'm being realistic <laughs> about the other teams in the division. Like, the Texans. Do you confidently think the Texans are a playoff team? No. Do you think the Titans are a playoff team? I think the Titans more so than the Texans. Okay. You think the Titans more so than the Texans? I do. do. you think the Colts are confidently a playoff team? I, no. I think they're a mid, so, they're middle of the road team. So you see where I'm going with this? I do. If there's I do. no team that you can confidently say is a playoff team that's in the driver's seat of this division, that means they're at least in the conversation. Right. And, you know, again, I go back to last year and just the talent discrepancy between the Jags and, and the Texans. It, Going into last year, the Texans were picked to be a historically inept, terrible, terrible NFL franchise. I mean, one of the worst in NFL history. And they came out and beat Jacksonville by 16 in week one and handled it again later in the season. Again, last season was a debacle. Um, but, I mean, the Texans are, are sneaky in that AFC South. And until Jacksonville can win some games, win some division games that matter, I just – I'm not a big believer that they're a contender for that AFC South. I do think AFC South is down this year. Uh, I'm not ready to write the, the, the Titans off just yet. I, probably a, more of a believer in them than I should be. Um, but I do still think that Tennessee is probably that – Front runner in a very diluted and weakened AFC South. I'm not saying they're the favorite. 
I'm just saying there's a shot. And you know what? That's more than you've been able to say for a while <laughs> That's now. true. So That's I'm true. Just, again, glass half full. Right. If the, if the division sucks, that means everybody's got a chance. That's true. Um, That's... We'll have to see. They do have to get some wins to, in order to do that. And right now they don't have any. Mm-hmm. But neither does anybody in no the division. No one else. So, no it, one else. so if nobody in the division's won a game in week one, that means that the teams that tied are in first place. Right. So if the Jaguars win on Sunday, that puts They're them in, in first place. place. They're in first so, place. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, we'll check in with you again later on this week and uh, and update you a little bit, talk a little bit more about the matchup against the Colts that's coming up for its home game of the year. Uh, thanks for tuning in for the News for Jacks podcast, and we'll see you next time.